Stem cell science is changing medicine and our understanding of human development. Learn more with the Stem Cell Channel. Visit uctv.tv slash stem cell. My pleasure to tell you about our um, CIRM Tran 1 grant uh, in which we are pursuing a project uh, entitled Human Embryonic Stem Cell Derived Neural Stem Cells for a Severe Spinal Cord Injury. And basically, I'm going to tell you the story of the remarkable biology of neural stem cells in the context of spinal cord injury and how we're trying to leverage that biology to move this technology along to humans and develop a therapy for even severe spinal cord injury. And I'd like to, at the outset, acknowledge the many collaborators that are part of this project moving forward, both within my own group at UCSD and our collaborators at a number of other institutions. So it's really been a multi-institutional effort supported by many sources that are listed here at the bottom. So human spinal cord injury is a area of great unmet medical need. There are about 15,000 new injuries per year, but there are 200,000 to 500,000 people living with chronic spinal cord injury in the United States. And tragically, this often affects people early in life, sometimes at infancy after spinal bifida uh, occurs, um, but often in younger adults because of activity. And then there's another wave in older adults as osteoarthritis of the spine can cause spinal cord compression. So there is often functional loss that is complete below the level of an injury. And tragically, there are no treatments to repair the injured spinal cord. Um, and why doesn't the spinal cord repair itself? One of the great areas of advance in modern science has been an understanding of why the injured spinal cord doesn't regenerate. And those reasons are listed here. If you look at the MRI image on the right, the area of darkness is a spinal cord injury site in a human several years after injury. And this in injury site is empty and regenerating axons need a bridge onto which they can grow. And when the spinal injury site is empty, they have no bridge. Secondly, the injured spinal cord doesn't produce new proteins to stimulate growth, unlike the injured peripheral nerve, which does. Third, there are actually several proteins that form around this injury site that block new growth, even if it were to occur. And fourth, inflammation often worsens the damage. And then finally, it may be the case that injured cells of the central nervous system need a stimulus to wake up again and actively re-enter a growth state. And so I'm going to tell you the story of the remarkable biology of neural stem cells and their ability, surprisingly, to grow very large numbers of axons, which are the connections of the nervous system, over very long distances after spinal cord injury. So let me take you through this now. The, the concept that we're trying to approach in this work is to form new relays across the site of injury. So this is a, a diagram of a spinal cord, and the red lines are the wires, the connections of the nervous system that get cut by, these, by the injury site. And the injury site itself that results from the compression of the spinal cord uh, often degenerates and is an empty cyst. So these axons are stopped at the cyst and can't grow. And the idea of a stem cell implant that's shown in green here is that these stem cells will survive and fill this injury site, that they will enable the regeneration of the injured axons of the person, the host, to enter the stem cells in the injury site, 
and that the stem cells themselves will extend new connections, new axons below the injury, hence splicing the circuit and forming new relays to restore function after injury. That's the concept. Why do we use neural stem cells? Well, because they're developing cells and they're in an intrinsically high growth state. And they can fill the injury site as shown here in the rat. So this is a rat spinal cord. The head is toward the left, the tail is toward the right. And this green thing occupying the injury site is a stem cell. And they can indeed fill this injury site if provided the right substances to do so and can reestablish physical continuity and, and represent a bridge for growth. These stem cells are a unique environment that allows the injured host axons to regenerate into the injury site. And these stem cells in turn extend the new connections below the injury. So they can bridge the gap, they can splice the circuit and hopefully improve function. So this is the hypothetical concept. To what extent do we actually see this happen? Um, well, I'll show you that in a second. So let me just go back a step and say, what are stem cells? So these are the cells that form the brain and the spinal cord as we are fetuses developing before we are born. So stem cells uh, can become all nerve cells, neurons, as well as the supporting cells of the nervous system called the glia, which are also called the astrocytes and the oligodendrocytes. So we start with an embryonic stem cell, and some of these cells, after many days of development, become committed neural stem cells, where they will just generate cells of the brain and the spinal cord. We are making the cells at that stage when they are neural stem cells. We are making them from an embryonic stem cell line that was first produced at the University of Wisconsin two decades ago. And we use these cells because they are generally safe and they show controlled growth properties. And these are called the H9 line of human embryonic stem cells that were again developed decades ago. We're not generating new stem cells, we're taking those existing stem cells and making spinal cord neural stem cells from them. So we take those cells, we drive them to become these spinal cord cells. And they have to be driven to spinal cord stem cells because their, their spinal cord properties are necessary for them to be effective in neural repair. So what do they do when we place these cells in animal models of spinal cord injury? So if we don't put anything in the injury site, then this is, it's empty. So this again is a rat spinal cord. It's a very thin section of the spinal cord. The head is to the left, the tail is to the right, and this is all the spinal cord, and it's been cut. This is a severe lesion. This is as severe as it gets. And nothing fills in the injury site. This is showing the edges of the cut spinal cord on either side. So our first job was to get these cells to survive and in a sense flourish in the injury site. And this took years of development. Uh, embedding these cells in a gel and adding proteins called growth factors to enable them to survive and fill the lesion site. And, and eventually, uh, my partner in this work, Paul Liu, and our collaborators in our own group and others were successful in getting these stem cells to survive and fill in the site. And when we could do that, we saw this astonishing biology emerge. So we made all of our stem cells green. We genetically made them green by tagging them with a protein called green fluorescent protein. So when we introduce these cells into animals, they stay green and all of the connections that they grow outward are also green. So we can see them and we can track them, we can track their fate. So we did a complete cut of the rat spinal cord here and we implanted human neural stem cells in the rat spinal cord. These were immunodeficient uh, animals, so the graphs were not rejected. And from the injury site here, you can readily see the outgrowth of 
tens of thousands in larger animals, hundreds of thousands of new connections, new axons streaming down the spinal cord that has lost its inputs because of the connections. This is absolutely astonishing biology that we did not anticipate when we began this work. And if we look at human neural stem cells, again, put into the right side of the spinal cord, now we're seeing the spinal cord in a cross section. So the injury is several sites above this. And if we look four spinal cord levels below the injury, everything green here is a human axon growing through the rat spinal cord on the right side. And you can see that the spinal cord is almost replaced by human axons. This amount of growth is, again, it's just remarkable that this occurs. And if we look at a higher magnification in the spinal cord, we see all of these green human axons growing among the yellow axons of the rat itself. And here they are branching up and going into the areas where the cells are, the gray matter of the spinal cord below the injury. So what I've shown you so far is that we can take the, the stem cells and plant them in the injury site. They survive in the injury site and they extend all the connections below. But what about the host? Does it regenerate axons into the stem cell graft? Because that has to happen too for a relay to form. And the answer is yes, it does happen. So here are the injured axons approaching an injury site, again, in the rat spinal cord. So the white dotted line outlines the stem cell graft we have placed into the spinal cord. Normally, the, the uh, connections of the host, these axons would stop right here and not grow. But now in the presence of the graft, you can see how extensively they actually regenerate into the injury site. They regenerate in and they form connections, synapses with the grafted neural stem cells. The neural stem cells, as they send the axons down the spinal cord, also form connections, synapses, with the host neurons below the spinal cord that lost their inputs. So we have spliced the circuit. Does this support functional recovery? Well, if we do a cervical level injury, an injury in the neck, and then we look at the ability of rats to retrieve food rewards with their hand grasping a pellet, you know, normally with the injury, the hand is just closed in a fist and can't do anything. Um, if we wait over time, the rats show very little recovery. This is the number of pellets that they can reach if they do not have a stem cell graft. And here the red line shows their recovery if they have a stem cell graft. So it's not complete recovery, but they're doing about twice as well as they would without the graft and they're recovering roughly half their ability to use the hand when otherwise they would recover quite a bit less. And if we look at the legs, when we do a complete thoracic transection, so if we cut the spinal cord completely here in the, uh, in the back as opposed to the neck, then the arms are fine in rats, but then their legs are not functioning. And so in animals that have this complete cut, at the upper thoracic level, there's very little movement of the legs. But now if we put in a stem cell graft, they show much more recovery of the legs. It's not complete recovery. This, this graft goes up to a scale of eight here, but that a normal animal performs at 21 on this scale. So it's not complete recovery, but they're able to move each joint of their legs. And that's what this amount of recovery represents. And so we have anatomical reconstruction, we have functional improvement. So we have uh, moved along this technology now to larger animal models in preparation for human clinical trials. So in these larger animals, we do partial spinal cord injuries so that the animals, are, you know, they're larger, so we want them to be able to move around the cage. 
and that sort of thing. So with this kind of partial cervical injury, they have impairment of just the right hand. The left hand works, the legs work, and the ball and bladder works. So they're not in pain, they're not uncomfortable, but we can measure whether they have recovery of the hand. And it took, again, a long time to develop the methods to successfully implant neural stem cells into these contusion spinal cord cavities in larger animals. But we were successful, and now uh, much of the time, these grafts survive and fill an injury site, a contusion injury site. And contusion, again, is a bang to the spinal cord, the kind of injury most humans have. So we can fill the injury site, and once again, up to hundreds of thousands of connections emerge from these implants. Um, and if we look at the spinal cord, two sections below, two levels below the original injury, there are many of these green human axons traveling down the larger animal spinal cord. If we look at higher magnification, look at all of these human connections, these axons traveling down the spinal cord, the basis for potential functional recovery. And in larger animals, kind of like the rats, we see a, a substantial improvement compared to animals that don't have a graft in the ability to use the hand. Again, it's not complete recovery. They recover to about 50%, but that's about twice as good as animals that don't have a graft. And for a human, what this might mean is an ability to now move the arm and control a motorized wheelchair when they didn't have that before. Or perhaps if they have a lower injury, some ability to begin to manipulate a keyboard. We won't know until we bring this to humans. So um, we're now planning to move this technology to first in human clinical trials. And uh, thank goodness for the CIRM granting mechanism because this is providing us the resources we need to actually manufacture these cells for a human clinical trial and meet the requirements of the Food and Drug Administration to actually start human clinical trials. So the CIRM TRAN1 grant is funding us to manufacture cells for human clinical trials. There, it's allowing us to develop the, the, what the FDA requires to characterize and release the cells for human use. They're funding us to, the CERN is funding us to make these so-called clinical cell banks. They're called master and working cell banks that will provide the material to expand to treat humans with spinal cord injury. The grant will allow us to show that the cells are safe and that the newly manufactured cells are effective and allow us to identify the minimal dose and the maximum tolerated doses, the kind of information that the FDA requires to enable us to begin this work in humans. And finally, this work will end with uh, a pre-IND meeting, as it's called, with the FDA. So we are very grateful to uh, CIRM for providing these funds. Uh, we've made significant progress to date on these first two goals and are continuing to work on the others that will follow. Um, and we hope that at the end of the day, we'll be effective in developing a therapy for even severe human injury and to benefit the human condition. Thank you for your attention.